Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 137. We're a podcast that talks about pop culture, things that interest us, and sometimes there is whiskey. My name is John, and I'm joined, as always, by Andrea. How's it going? Good, good. How about yourself on this Tuesday evening? We uh, we rarely yeah. do podcasts on this day, so how's, mm-hmm. how's your Tuesday been? Yeah, it's been good. Uh managed to get out of the house a little bit just for like groceries, haircut, you know, that kind of thing. But all that feels really good now. And you get to, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 we it's, enjoy it's amazing, walking around like, Target with a coffee anyways, but really now. Yeah. So. No, it's, it's amazing uh, when you're a new parent, what passes for like me time and like enjoyable outside the house time. You're just like, like you said, running an errand is like, oh, ah. yeah. So, <laughs> yep. I get it. <laughs> yeah. It's been good. How about you? Yeah, same. I uh, I actually had the day off of work, so I got outside for a little while, walked around, um, but then like came back inside to do some house projects. So yeah, I feel both uh, refreshed and invigorated and also accomplished. So nice. yeah, baby. All right. Well, perfect. Um, we, uh, I'm hoping for you to be invigorated on tonight's episode because we got some uh, <laughs> things that might... Um, you know, light a fire under your butt. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe it's Andrea's <laughs> turn for rant. Maybe it's Andrea's turn. For maybe, rant. maybe, maybe uh, I'm just gearing up right now. Maybe I got it all stored up here. Yep. Um. So this episode, we're going to be talking kind of a variety of issues. Um. Mm-hmm. Got some talk about literature. The literature world coming up in mainstream news these days. Um. Mm-hmm. Television, streaming numbers, those kinds of things what people are watching um, a big franchise returning once again in a new form. So uh, yeah, lots to talk about, but before we get there drink holidays. Yes. Yes. We have a plethora um, of holidays, a couple that fall on the same day. So March 3rd was a big day. Three, three, 23. It was Irish whiskey day. It was mulled wine day and it was Moscow mule day. So I feel like you're kind of doing like a grab bag of all over the world things here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah, March 3rd, celebrating any of those? Yeah, I, uh, I I'm actually celebrating Irish whiskey day. um, Nice. In in honor of needing to stay awake these days. um, (laughs) I have this limited edition Jameson cold brew. Nice, uh, nice. So yeah, it's it's running on running on e uh, pretty quick here. Notes okay. of roasted oak and dark chocolate. Um, yeah, natural cold brew coffee flavor. So I did sort of a. I'm guessing com- combining a nationality from another one of the days. I did did sort of a white Russian with it. Nice. So nice. it's real. I don't really know what's uh, exactly recipe for white Russian, but it's this is basically the coffee uh, Irish whiskey with cream, mm-hmm. and uh, which is great for my digestion. And then um, <laughs> some this uh, syrup we have. It's like uh, it's a vanilla honey cinnamon syrup. So oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it's that um, pretty delicious. You know, it is. It's not not healthy in the least but uh yeah it is it is delicious no no one said parenting was healthy for you so <laughs> uh, well, let me yes. know how the, that, 
Let me know how the cold brew is, because uh, I was considering getting that for Chris. He's such a big mm. Jameson fan, but I but I wasn't sure how he was going to take to it. So, okay, well, here in the name of helping out you know, uh, your husband here, ah, <laughs> uh, so I, mean, yeah, I, I mean, appreciate it. Let me cleanse the palate a minute here, because having it with a bunch of heavy cream is not really right. It's obviously very much. different. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been a long time since I've had this straight. Um, definitely smoky. Like almost. Um, oh, what's that? What would that be? Some sort of smoked meat. Like, uh, okay. I'm not sure. Some sort of. So the smoke is good. So kind of like mesquite. Yep, should get it for him. It's good. To get you can it? drink okay. it. You can drink it just straight like this, or on the rocks, and it has like I mean I don't know how I don't know how you wouldn't like it. And then okay, after you like kind of get a little air on your palate, then the coffee cut starts coming through because okay. drink it. You know, it's like notes. You know, the mesquite is a good call. That would be the smokiness to get there. Really, you you, hit, you know on the tongue, it really does taste like a Jameson. And then uh, sure. kind of the after is uh, brings out the coffee. So coffee. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like he'll like it. So I shall add that to my welcome to fatherhood for a second time list. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, March 3rd, you're celebrating. I, of course, I'm not. Um, but for anybody else who's, who's checking around out there, holidays also include another major one on the 5th, Absinthe Day. Uh, that is not for the faint of heart, depending on what kind of absinthe you're going for. And then, mm -hmm. uh, today is the second day, um, of the Jewish holiday Purim. And mm. that is known, um, there's like texts about actually like the, the drinking of wine, which is required. Although some interpretations say like, and actually no, it isn't, but that's why it's kind of like listed among the drink holidays is because of that reason. So, sure. which I learned today. So, nice yeah the more you know renato uh thanks for jumping in the chat uh glad to see you hey, here renato. um i almost did the wine thing we have a bottle of wine open mm -hmm. um it's a snoop dog wine which i saw some people on a podcast uh, recently talking about it's like this is terrible and stuff and is it I the rosé it's not i have had it though oh, okay and that's you know that's good i think uh it's what you it's to me what you would want from a rose. This is mm -hmm. the uh this is another red, but I don't recall which kind specifically. Okay. But but yeah. So I've only had the rose and yeah, that was pretty good. I mean, I feel like going to you know, some sort of uh celebration of Purim and like bringing out cracking the the um Right. Yeah, the uh I'm blanking on his name now, the Snoop, the Snoop wine. So, yeah is he back to snoop um, dog now can we call him snoop dog instead of snoop line that was that was a phase um, right i i have no idea <laughs> i have zero idea unfortunately we'll we'll go with it yeah. perfect um well yeah again thanks renato for jumping in those are the drink holidays cheers to everyone mm -hmm. and uh let's talk our weeks what, what have you been up to yeah, kind of kind of mirroring our our topics tonight, had a grab bag of a week. 
um, caught up on some webtoons, most notably one that we've reviewed on the podcast before, maybe meant to be. Looks like we're through the same episode of that. Um, I am working on catching up on The Mandalorian because, of course, season three just got dropped. Chris is very excited and very like anxious to get started on the season and, and won't do it without me. And I figure I owe it to him for all the all the ones that uh, he's waited for me and I've waited for him. So catching up on The Mandalorian, uh, revisiting an old favorite on HGTV. It's not anything that's terribly well known. Uh, it's not like their flagship show or anything, but I love it. Uh, it's called Ugliest House in America. And uh, basically, um, if you know Retta from Parks and Rec, uh, she is the host of that show. And she just travels around the U.S. looking at ugly houses and basically the ugliest wins a makeover. And I okay. love it. I, yeah. I just love like seeing the weird random crap in people's houses and like what people think mm-hmm. looks good. So and it's amazing what they end up doing. You know, all those shows yes. it's like, oh, God, yeah. wow, the, the end result. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the final house whatever they do to it is always stunning, but yeah, there's there's some real trash pile houses out there that could <laughs> probably just be probably just be set on fire, not even attempted at renovated, but mm-hmm. it's really fun. Nice. Um and then I and then I started a brand new show uh that I've been really really excited for and I've been waiting to drop on Amazon Prime. It's the first episode of Daisy Jones and the Six, which is based on a novel by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which is like a loose, loose, historical, fictive biography of uh, the band Fleetwood Mac. Oh, so, okay. Interesting. It, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a cool time jump back and forth, like interviews with the band about like the rise and fall, their success, like their relationships with each other. Again, all loosely based on, you know, what's been pieced together from the history of Fleetwood Mac and their kind of skyrocketing success and then their breakup. Um, so, so far, I mean, I've only seen the one episode so far, but really enjoyed it. So nice. highly recommend checking that out. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, I want to mm-hmm. say hello to MJ in the chat. Everybody make sure Hi. that if you uh, frequent Twitch or even if you don't, Go to Twitch and follow MJ Honeybee for some fun gaming streams. Um, I was able to play with her and uh, one of her friends, um, Stamos, a little bit last night on the stream. Nice. What'd you I'm play? I'm definitely a noob at Dead by Daylight, but oh, okay. uh, still giving it a go. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You good sport, you. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, Alan's wondering if I squad streamed. No, I did not. Uh, if I get more time sometime, that would be fun to do. I I don't know if you have to have a certain like number of followers to do that or if anyone can do that, but, uh, yeah, but that would be fun to do sometime for sure. So, um, yeah, my week I've definitely been, uh, yes, maybe meant to be, as you mentioned, it still continues to be great and surprise. Um, a lot of fun. So um, I also like delved into the like poking through the new Nintendo Switch Online stuff a little bit more. And I came mm-hmm. across a game that is the exact kind of game I've been wanting to play for, you know, like in between feedings of the babies and stuff like that. Sure. So it's called Kuru Kuru 
Kuruin. And it's like this game for the Game Boy Advance that you play these little characters and essentially you're in sort of a ship that um, rota- is like two bars that rotate around a central point. And it keeps rotating okay. in a specific direction. And you have to manage your way through a course without touching oh. the walls and stuff or whatever. Sure, okay. And then it gets more complicated where you got to hit the springs to reverse the spin of the direction, you know, all this stuff. It's very simple mechanic and exactly the kind of thing. Like, it's just it's just cute and and quick pick up and play, put down, you know. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I haven't touched it for a little while now because all of a sudden I really started getting into Metroid Prime Remaster again. Um, we were playing some more Shocking. Harry Potter. Yeah, we were playing some more Harry Potter, you know, some Hogwarts Legacy, and we were we come to like we're probably overstimulating the kids a little too much, too much noise, too much TV on, a little bit of stuff or whatever. That's what it seems like. So we've been playing on the Switch a lot more, and I'm kind of sure. thankful for it because I have just been loving Metroid Prime. I'm shocked at how how great of a job they've done with this so far. Um, it's very pretty. It controls really fun. I'm I feel like I'm flying through it. I'm also surprised I made it so far as a kid. I'm notoriously <laughs> bad at games as a kid, and I still sure. haven't. I, though I've discovered some things I hadn't then. Um, sure. I definitely am not to the point where I was. So I don't know. I'm I'm surprised at that, but. Either way, do you that's think, been do you my, think your like, love of the game was just like so strong as a kid? Do you know what I mean? That you pushed through even if it was like taking you forever? Maybe, maybe. I mean, it was definitely a game of the likes I hadn't played before. It's kind of a genre reinvention. It mm-hmm. um, and it really had an atmosphere and that spoke to me. It was like my alien before I knew what alien was and how much sure. that would resonate yep. with me. Like there are those. You know, Metroid is very derived from Alien. Um, in fact, you know, making mm-hmm. Samus, uh, you know, the female protagonist is like, I mean, the villain in there is named Ripley. Oh, or Ridley, Alan says. It was Ripley, but I'm not a big Metroid person other than this. So I'm just very excited. I'm hoping this also gets me back into some other 2D Metroid games. So, yeah. Yeah, Alan, Alan knows Ridley. He's got it, so um yeah that's been my week i hopefully will manage to beat this i'm hoping maybe and then i'll do a full review i've been taking um oh yeah ridley scott thank you alan Perfect. oh sure um, that makes sense yeah. either way i mean ridley ripley yeah yep kind of alan keep me from yeah. looking like a fool here perfect um <laughs> all right so we've got some news to cover, but I do want to talk about this one other video game related topic because sure. though I hadn't seen it, there was a lot of allegedly, um, it, it keeps coming up, the price of video games. Um, you know, this last generation, PlayStation sort of announced they're going to $70 for their main games. Xbox held off a year and now they're going to be doing $70 for their games. And now it looks like... Um, the next Zelda game from Nintendo is going to be $70 as well. It's a $10 price increase. Some people are incensed at the idea that Zelda is going up to $10 because it's not going to a new generation of systems. It's still in the same system Mm -hmm. going to, you know, it's not like, oh, here's the next gen thing. And now with the next gen or whatever. Right. Um, But people have problems with it going to $70 to begin with anyways. So 
Um, I wanted to bring up that, see what you think about it. And, um, also bring up the idea of my friend Adam. He now as mm -hmm. an adult and a parent of two says that for him, he doesn't, the subscription based thing for games is not the model for him. So he does buy games per game. So he's not one that's yep. like, I'm going to be invested in game pass because I'm yep. just not going to be playing enough. But then also that value of the game for him, he likes to look at it like dollar value per hour. Like literally, can mm -hmm. I get a dollar worth of entertainment per hour? Mm -hmm. um, so like if it's going to be a $70 game, I better get 70, 70 hours out of it, thereabouts. So sure. those are my two kind of things. The kerfuffle about the $70 price point, the change, what do you think about that? And then how you see the value of gaming and if you have any sort of benchmarks personally. Yeah, so I would say, first of all, I mean... It, price increases always suck. Like nobody's ever going to be like, Oh yes, please increase my prices by, you know, whatever. <laughs> so it's, so, I mean, it's, it's not exactly like, um, you know, negative reactions to this or shockers. Um, I, I do see the point more in something like, you know, being incensed about something like Zelda where you're not getting like new model because I think we're just sort of trained now to expect a price increase when you're getting like a new system or you're like, you know, they're releasing the latest gen of, you know, it, it just doesn't seem as shocking to me. Am I happy about it? Again, no. Um, is it more expected? Yeah. Um, so I don't love the $70 price tag, but if you're talking value, I would say that for me, when I first kind of read that, you know, kind of dollar an hour out of this, um, I would say that that probably feels to me a little bit low or high, depending on how you look at it. Um, I would say for most things that you buy, a dollar, stretching a dollar per hour of entertainment is unfe is infeasible. Um, right. You know, you, you pay like, 20 bucks for a movie. I mean, if you yeah. think about that kind of ratio or you, you know, um, so I would say, you know, for me, I think it's more reasonable to expect something like two, $3 an hour at least. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say that that to me is a more realistic ratio. Ideally. Sure. I'd love to get 70 hours. Um, you know, and depending on how good I am at something, absolutely. Can I stretch something into 70 hours? Probably if I knife my way through Borderlands, absolutely I can. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that's just a little bit unrealistic. I mean, as a parent, obviously you're always looking for like ways to maximize your enjoyment and also price tags on things because hey, shocker, no news flash here, kids are expensive. Um, but yeah, I would I would say that to both of these looking realistically, um, Nobody didn't think $70 games were coming. Um, so, yeah. Can I be mad about it? Sure. Am, am I still going to pay? Probably. Especially for things I love. I just might be more judicious about, you know, trying something out. Yep. And, yep. yeah, to me, two to three bucks an hour, that's a solid rate of return. Yeah. I, I, I agree the price should be higher with that hourly rate. Um, you know, you look at a, an album, maybe it's $15 and it's, uh, maybe it's an hour or it's under, under an hour or something like that. 
Um, definitely movies, as you said, games. But that's part of the thing why I think sometimes these companies have trouble making games because you do have this sort of, and making money off them. You do have this, some people right. have this expectation that, you know, okay, I'm going to buy this 60 or $70 game and I'm going to play this for the next year because I love mm -hmm. it so much. So I want to have, you know, you know, I do want to put 100, 150 hours into the game, which you can on, on a lot of games, but that requires yeah. a lot of extra development time. Mm -hmm. If that's the kind of value we're demanding, I think we're going to be in trouble. And that's, you know, will lead to the further consolidation that we're seeing in the market. And, um, and the other element, you know, I, I appreciate not being part of the subscription model. Can we be part of the subscription models for everything? You know, like we obviously have mm -hmm. that for streaming right now, um, you know, music. Right. So uh, do we want that for gaming as well? Especially if we, if a lot of people do find those games that they invest a lot of time in, you know, I always think the average, you know, PlayStation user probably plays like two games a year. They sort of have their regular game they play all the time, like Call of Duty or GTA or something like that. And then they play like one new big PlayStation exclusive yes. partway through. You know, that's yep. mostly what they do. Um, yeah, so like, is the subscription model worth it? Um, because right now what we're going to get is we're going to have these companies. That's the other thing is like, is it wise to have a business model that must be upheld by a monolithic mega corporation from an, another element of its business. You know, like Microsoft's gaming division could go down now and it wouldn't matter. It would matter zero amount, you know, like the stock would probably barely take a dip because they don't make their money there. So they make money right. in other places, even if they do post a profit. That's not my point. Like it's like it's peanuts compared to where they really make a profit. Right. You know, um, lots of companies have this. Amazon, they're spending so much money on, on like the Lord of the Rings stuff that could all go away and wouldn't matter at all to the bottom line. It just wouldn't matter. You know, they, so these things, like, is it good to have businesses that are kind of built this way where they don't have to themselves be profitable? Because I feel like that's part of, just part of the reason we get lower quality a lot of times is because they don't actually have to deliver. Mm -hmm. They can fail and persist. Right. You don't have to give the market like, what they yeah, want. Yeah. You, there's this idea of success later too. I think there's like a right. down the road payoff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so yeah. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. It's definitely a topic that's going to continue to come up. It's like things we've taught, we've discussed a lot, but um, yeah. Video games value. Mm -hmm. um, okay. We'll jump into the news. Um, we have a number of topics here. The first one is kind of this all encompassing thing. I'll sort of introduce and to see where you want to land on or what your overall thoughts are. If you want to dig into any further details on them. Um, sure. So we've had this like, like run of news recently that we're going to be mm -hmm. rewriting or a tweaking, adjusting, going into um, classic literature and mm -hmm. for a more modern audience. You know, to me, it's always like the mm -hmm. scariest thing anyone can say when I'm working on a new projects. We're going to update this for modern audiences. Um, I mean, that means change a lot of things. <laughs> um, and OK, so whatever you want to do. Um, but we have now James Bond books that are being gone through to take out potentially seen as offensive material or like. Um, 
comments and views that were expressed uh, more casually back in the day when they were written. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the Ronald Dahl. I, th- I think that's how you say Rolled. his name. Uh, Rolled. Okay. Rolled. I heard people say Rolled Ronald, Dahl. and I'm like, that doesn't look like how it's spelled. Rolled. Rolled Dahl books um, that were getting adjusted as well. And now we have, I just saw this today, um, some fairy tales also from the division yeah. of Penguin books that are going, they're like going through and saying, where can we adjust these? Where can we make these seem quote unquote less problematic for today? Um, so I certainly have thoughts, but like, I'll leave it to you. Where, where do you want to take this? Or what do you think? Yeah. So, so my, in reading all of these, my distilled kind of boiled down, uh, thought is, um, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with reading through these book books and going like, that's problematic or like, that's, that's not a great thing to be writing about or like, you know, noticing some sort of like potentially misogynistic, sexist, racist comments and being like, you know, um, having that kind of reaction. My, my thought is we don't need to cover that up by, by rewriting this book and taking whatever it is out, changing it drastically so that, you know, it doesn't make sense in the context of the time period. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense in what the context of a character would say or a plot line would happen. That's not to me, the solution. If somebody is insanely bothered by this and you know some sort of publishing house is like listen we need to address this because we feel x y and z about it that is the literal purpose of an annotated edition of a book is to introduce is to present a text and then have context surrounding it that says like listen i am a scholar i did all of this research let me tell you about like the reference in here to X. It actually for the time means, you know, X, Y, and right. Z. That is the literal point of an annotated edition and annotated editions are everywhere. So this is the solution to your problem. If you really feel that strongly to like that there's objectionable material, if there's questionable material, if there's material that you're just not comfortable with letting stand on its own, provide the context for the reader. It, don't just like gloss over and pretend like it wasn't written that way because it was. I mean, you know, things are the product of their time and there's no use pretending that they aren't. Um, so yeah, so for all of these, like, again, my, my, my distilled thought is you can, you can see objectionable things. Absolutely. Like there's, there's no, um, you know, like, let's not pretend this isn't a problem if you find it problematic, but different solution. You don't just like rewrite a book because that's getting into some very slippery, dangerous territory. Now, if you are the actual literal author of that material and you decide like, I don't like what I did, you can rewrite your material. I mean, that's your IP. That's your property. Um, Most famous example, Mary Shelley rewrote Frankenstein. There's two seminal editions. There's millions of editions of Frankenstein, but there's two seminal editions, the 1818 and the 1831. And she rewrote uh, Frankenstein in 1831 to respond to like some ideas about how like her material didn't make sense. Like she sort of expressed some potentially objectionable ideas. So she was like, cool, like 
let me just give this a drastic rewrite. I want to respond to some of this. I'm distilling a very like complex (laughs) uh, literary topic down into, you know, two or three sentences that are very casual, but I find that completely different than, you know, some other person deciding to rewrite her material for her. She, cause she not only rewrote and annotated her text, she like literally rewrote some of it because she didn't like it. Some argue with the husband, with uh, um, her husband, Percy Shelley, um, like he kind of stepped in and made some commentary side issue. I swear I'm going to be done soon, but yeah. So this, this to me says like, who's suggesting rewriting these books, annotated editions. That's the route you take if you really need to address something. Yep. There's my, there's my soapbox rant. (laughs) No, no, I, I, I agree. You know, I look at it from two, two angles that upset me. One is, I think it, this doesn't come out of, from the top anyways, it doesn't come out of like a good faith thing, you know, like that, maybe that's me being cynical, but I think that this is a mm-hmm. one, probably a way to like earn some points with some people become eligible for investment, you know, sort of a business move. And then on the other hand, mm-hmm. publicity being like, oh, hey, we're in the news now, whether it's positive by some or negative by others. We're in the news now, and you'll have a you know a onslaught of people that are trying to get the books before they're changed, whether they just want the original to like have that or they you know think they'll be worth something someday or whatever. So you increase mm-hmm. sales. So it's a kind of a win-win monetarily for them. The other element that I dislike is again, we have companies and people that are in charge of things, properties, mediums that clearly don't respect it. Like mm-hmm. the idea that you would take someone's literary work and just mm-hmm. change it because for yeah. any reason, like the person that wrote that, the real authors painstakingly like obsess over the structure of their mm-hmm. novel mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. the sentence goes. Some people like it gets very lyrical, like whatever, like not just words on a page. It's right. like taking a painting and just like, well, I didn't like the nose on that person now. And just doing it, someone else just redoing the note. Like you, you fundamentally changed the thing, and so mm-hmm. it just it, it, it's it's Disney making all their stuff. At least it's theirs; they own it. But taking all their stuff <laughs> and making it live action, like it's just again a fundamental disrespect for the art that they're mm-hmm. in charge of. And so, yes. really not, really not a fan for whatever your reason is. And yeah, good. Someone should read it and feel uncomfortable. You do learn something about mm-hmm. where you are in society today, where you they were in society then. I remember exactly. in school, they'd make us read words we're not supposed to say now because yeah. that was what it was then. And you understand it's part of a history lesson then along with it. So all bad. Well, it's all bad. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like there's, there's just no, there's no denying that you can't like gloss over like historical things and you're glossing over like opportunities to learn from them. If you, if you do things like this, like change, change entire passages, words, phrases, like ideas, whatever they may be, um, big or small, you're, you're changing somebody's opportunity here. And yeah, I do agree that like, um, unfortunately my solution, having an annotated edition of a book, it isn't as sexy. It isn't as like big of a publicity stunt 
as like saying, you know, be it, you know, I'm, I'm ascribing motives to somebody potentially, but if that is part of the equation, yeah, rewriting a book is going to get a lot more coverage than just like releasing an annotated edition because like I said, they, they are so common. Um, so it's not as like, Ooh, look what we're doing, uh, as Mm -hmm. you know, potentially rewriting is. So I don't know. I mean, my solution is, is far less like sexy of an option, but I think it's like the more genuine and, um, I don't know, provide, I mean, it obviously provides you more opportunities to learn than just like Mm -hmm. glossing over something and repainting it. Uh, what, so, I am a pentameter. That makes me crazy. Shakespeare, right? <laughs> that uh, what it is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just just changing words, so it's just not that anymore. That's that sounds like no. a great idea, you know? <laughs> oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Look at my whole my whole body just wants to just. <laughs> uh, <sighs> yes. All right. Um. Next thing we got to talk about. Um. We talk about streaming on the show quite a bit, and um, I kind of want to put things in perspective a little bit. We get all kinds yeah. of charts and graphs, and this is successful, and this isn't successful. This many viewers, this many view mm-hmm. watch hours, all this stuff on on any given show or movie or whatever. Hard to like, you know. It's one of those things you can make. You can find any data set to provide, you know, the what you want as a, as a, as right. an answer, you know, what's why every movie can come out and be number one somehow or whatever, be the best thing in America at the moment. So, but I thought this was a pretty nice overall chart here. This is a Nielsen chart. Uh, they're known obviously in the business of like, um, television watching 2022 top 15 streaming programs overall, because a lot of times mm-hmm. this is an overall it's like new or it's original yes. content or it's like, it's, yeah. it's specified. This is, overall and i just want to like to me when i see this top 15 it kind of speaks to me in like where our culture is right now and that Mm -hmm. these things that a lot of uh companies are producing now are not actually impacting the culture the way maybe seems like it is Mm -hmm. because this list of 15 is mostly old stuff it's not it's it's not current or it's like recently done or something like that mm-hmm. um this, these are things that with the exception of basically kids stuff we got stranger things at number one which is the like wow you know here's the big thing that made an impact and we can see that in all kinds of ads and different stuff i think that one's undeniable but then we yeah. have like coco melon encanto bluey you know like kids things right yeah and the rest is like Grey's Anatomy, Criminal Minds, Seinfeld, you no know, more girls. Simpsons. Yep. Yeah. These are the things that people are going to watch that watch yeah. television. And I think the next generation doesn't even watch television. So like it's our age and older watching this and the, all, the, all the other stuff is kind of becoming irrelevant. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Did, did you do you draw a different conclusion from this or all, if you find other insights? No, I just, I mean, in looking this over, I, I completely had agreed with you. It was, it was insane to me that I had, you know, watched almost everything on this list. You know what I mean? Like you just don't expect for, you know, it's, it's like, it's like somehow finding out that you've watched every movie nominated for an Oscar that year. 
You know what I mean? You just don't expect to do it. So, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? When you think of like the top things for a single year. So yeah. So finding out that like all of these older programs were on this list was just sort of like mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Encanto and Wednesday are like the only like truly new things. Yeah. Right. That is, that is insane. Um, yep. Also, obviously, the other thing of note to me was like Netflix just still crushing it. Yes, right, absolutely. <laughs> they they bought the rights to the the right things. Yeah, they absolutely. really did. They really did. They're um, you know, for all that we can criticize them sometimes and and make uh, comments about some of their their original programming, they uh, they know what to do to like bolster their their portfolio in terms of like getting the rights to the right things. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It just, you know, we talk all the time about Marvel things. You're watching catching up on the Mandalorian. I had someone come at me in the comments before nicely, but you know, whatever about like, (laughs) can't stop saying Andor is a failure. You know, these are things like Marvel and star Wars. Those are supposed to be the biggest freaking properties in the Western world, basically. Mm -hmm. And they didn't make the top 15. How many right. shows did Marvel release? None of them are here. Now, maybe right. one of them was 16th place. I don't know what 16th place is. But, um, you know, that's, yeah. it's just, it, it's a, it's kind of a reset, a realignment of where mm-hmm. the audience is that's watching television, what they like, mm-hmm. what they're expecting. And I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um and I, I mean, I know we have like a little um, news news story here about, you know, they're reporting that that Marvel will be cutting back on some of its programming and reassessing yeah. how much it's putting out and the quality of what it's putting out, like the format. And I think that's it's a good reality check like this. Yeah. This is something hard and fast that was needed for Marvel to be like, yeah, we we are really rushing out the pace of our stuff. And look, nobody's responding. So we need yep. to, we don't need to abandon our properties, which I could, I could have them take a break from it, but I'll take, I'll take slowing down as a first yeah. step, really rethink your shows, how much you're putting out, rethink the quality. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, you know, a property that I've had to rethink the quality of recently is that <laughs> of the adaptations of one J.R.R. Tolkien. And Tolkien, yes. uh, and um, I was gonna bring it for show and tell. I actually got a graphic novel of The Hobbit. I guess it's been in print for a long time. Stop it. Yeah, it's so it's written by I Chuck Dixon, because uh, it's like uh, you know historical comic book creator, um, historic, not historical. Um, he, he's alive. Um, he, <laughs> So there's this fun story that he was working for someone and they went, would always go to the library of Congress and look for what is off. Um, like what has not been, um, what's free. Um, what I'm looking for when it goes public domain, things are public domain. Oh, and yeah, there was okay. a, a version basically of the Hobbit that was not copyrighted. It was, it was in public domain. And he went to at this point, whatever the Tolkien estate and said, Hey, we have this, we're going to do a comic of it and you won't see any money from it or do you want to let give us the rights to legitimately do the actual hobbit and then you see money from it 
And they said yes. And so they made this and the art is fantastic. I guess it's been in print ever since. It's sold tons That's and tons awesome. of copies. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to read it. Um, but yeah. anyways. You have to snag that yeah. for me when you're done. Absolutely. It's, um, so yeah, we're talking Tolkien and a new new announcement of new projects in that mm-hmm. world um, from the folks at uh, Warner, what's, what's it called technically now? Warner Brothers Discovery, Discovery Warner Brothers, yes. Warner Discovery. Um, we don't know what this is. All we know is that they're pursuing new films in this world. They got the rights mm-hmm. from um, Embracer Group. Embracer yeah. Group, I had no idea had the rights to Lord of the Rings. They're a giant yeah. gaming conglomerate, but they have it and they've uh, sold these back to a uh, company that made the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. You're a big fan of yes. the works of Tolkien. What do you think? Absolutely. I am. Um, so I was, I was kind of cool with this for a little hot moment because I was just like, well, you know, they're, they're basing it in the world. They're going back to the, like the original company, Peter Jackson's being consulted. Like he, I don't know what his role exactly will be, but he's like in talks. So these seem like good things. And then suddenly they dropped, um, these, the multi-year agreement involves films based on the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. And I was like, Ooh, that is such like vagueness. I don't like that because it leaves room open to be a remake of the, the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit trilogy that Peter Jackson did. And I don't care if Peter Jackson's involved in it. I don't need it. So that's that's not the part I love. Um, now, is there is there, you know, obviously room and scope for for things to be offshoots? Absolutely. Like maybe they're going to be, um, you know, making a movie about Tom Bombadil and Gold Goldberry. I don't know. Like you know, there's obviously huge sections of the book that were missed in the original not missed, but you know, couldn't just couldn't make it into like, the original yeah. trilogy. Yeah. Um, do I think that they were wise cuts? Yes, I do. But obviously there's still material there. We could be doing something like, you know, their next movie that comes out is Lord of the Rings war of the Rohirrim, which I am actually really excited about because I think telling the story of Helm Hammerhand is an awesome idea. Um, so yeah. So if they're doing things like that, super, super excited if they're leaving it vaguely open to like, maybe we're just going to kind of slowly feel out remaking the trilogy. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I think that, you know, I am, though I'm scared of that being a possibility. I do think the vague language is probably them just not knowing because there were quotes as well right. about like how much the world left unexplored, you know, how rich it yes. is by that. So I'm choosing to lean on those words and hope on that that's hopes, the yeah. course. Yeah, that we're that we're taking here. Um, Same. I have to think they'd understand the backlash and and devaluing the property they have, if, if, as opposed to something that could connect and they could sell a box set of like right. all the stuff. You know, right. they can digitally they can sell. Here's the twelve film thing. You know, once it's all said and done, right. because you can watch Mega it from pack, beginning to yeah. end. 
right. Um, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm worried in general about them touching any more of Tolkien's work, uh, especially yeah. after like Rings of Power and stuff. But if they're going to do it, I'm happy Peter Jackson is being talked to allegedly. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm with you here. Yeah, it's just it's it's so hard to read between the lines of things like, mm -hmm. you know, but for all the scope and detail lovingly packed into the two trilogies, you know, yeah. which, you know, when you say stuff like that, they're like, oh, you know, there's all this stuff in there, but also like there's so much left to do. It's mm -hmm. like, are you hinting that like we're going to take this further or like these left some things out. So we're going to reimagine them with those things back in them. It's terrifying. Like these words are just, you know, this is why words matter, people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. Could, I could see them being like, let's do another Game of Thrones kind of thing. So this could take, let's start from the beginning, start from Hobbit, and let's do a television show of the whole thing. And, <laughs> add, you know, I, I could see that too. I, I don't want that. I but mean, uh, yeah, this, this really is just, just like a good old fashioned vague, vague booking post, you know? Just yep. like a very like, stay tuned. We have things. Yeah. I so, yeah, honestly hope. I'm, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, for me, I'm hopeful, but but also terrified because we've seen what you know, property. Yeah. How property can go wrong in the wrong hands. Yep. I hope that the success of Hogwarts Legacy makes them look at that opportunity because mm -hmm. we've had Lord of the Rings games. I hope that they see that, hey, you know, we could do um, we could really invest here because that's kind of the the medium of the future uh, anyways. And we can see a big, well, big turnaround there. They um they are doing like several different games that are due out. Um, they have a Gollum based video game, um, yeah. a mobile video game. And then this is the one I'm actually excited about. Um, Take Two Interactive and What a Workshop are doing. And uh, a Middle Earth set game um, due okay. out in 2024. Like I, I think you know, working with Weta Workshop is just obviously to me like the ultimate stamp of of approval. Um, so sure. that would be that would be the one I would pin most hopes on. But yeah, so they're definitely like in the game space. Mm -hmm. I just don't know like what this is gonna be. Yeah, I, I hope they invest really invested and took them yeah. seriously because that's often the issue is like, oh, we have a property, we have an IP, we're going to do a game on it. But, you know, like funding is uh, because, you know, people will buy it because it's this property. So. Right, right. You just slap the Lord of the Rings name on it. Yep. And yep. yeah, people are sold. Um. All right. Um. We've got, we've got more to talk about, but we're running long for this week. So we're going to, um, we're going <laughs> to wrap it up there. I, cause there's, a, there's a burning new breaking story I wanted to mention, but, uh, we'll have to talk about oh, that shoot. next week. Yeah, I know. Leave everyone in suspense. Oh my so. God. Ultimate cliffhanger, John. You're even leaving yep. me in suspense. <laughs> I know. Um, all right. So that's been Popcast on the Rocks, episode 137. Covered quite a few issues today. Make sure that in the comments sections everywhere that you let us know what your thoughts are. Have you seen all the shows on that top 15 list? Um, are those your regulars? Do you Are you going to buy all these other books now before they're changed? Will they reverse course? 
as they did with the uh, doll books. Um, we'll see what happens exactly there, but let us know. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, those are the places we're in. Um, we're also on podcast directories of your choosing. So Spotify, you can watch us in video format there. Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Um, MJ Honeybee, our friend, she was in the chat earlier. Make sure you check out her Twitch channel. Um, I'll be playing games with her occasionally. Otherwise, regardless, there's a good community over there you can um, be a part of if you'd like. Killing the Flower, they wrote our theme song. You can check them out on Instagram and on music streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music. And um, I think that'll about do it from us. Mm -hmm. Andrea, thanks again for joining me. Of course. As always, cheers, everybody. <laughs>